0: Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. You have tuned into a very unique episode of Before and After, where an expecting mom shares her plans for her upcoming birth while she's pregnant and then comes back after her baby arrives to share how the experience was and what she and we may learn from it. My co-host today is Kristen Palasi. She is finishing her chiropractic studies and focusing mostly on pregnancy and Pediatrics, and she's a brand new doula. Welcome back! Thanks for having me. Our guest today is Heather. She is in an extremely unique position with very difficult decisions to make. Heather's currently thirty nine weeks pregnant with her second child. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Heather. I am thirty nine years old, and I recently graduated with a master's in occupational therapy. Um, which is my second career.
0: What was your first career?
1: I was a teacher, an elementary school teacher for eight years.
0: What, a specific grade?
2: Kindergarten, mostly. Oh,
0: my goodness, Mm -hmm. the little ones.
2: Yeah, I like the little ones. You can still (laughs) shape
0: them. They're like multiple (laughs) clay.
2: She has patience of a saint. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: And then, so what sparked your switch?
2: Um,
1: Public school, you know, too many kids in the classroom, too much policy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I liked the idea to be more creative and have a little more freedom, and that was hard to do in a large public school system.
0: Mm-hmm. Why occupational therapy specifically?
1: Because you can individualize it. You can go to so many different areas of practice, whether it's pediatrics, spinal cord injury. Um, it just I, I met the OT at the school that I worked at who inspired mm-hmm. me. She worked with those kids. And oh, so
0: you're still working with kids?
1: Um, I plan to. That's your goal? Yeah.
0: Oh, very cool. Congrats on the second career. Thank you. And now uh, a second baby. But before we get to that, <laughs> um, you had a ba- You were expecting a baby about a year and a half ago. Yes. And um, how was that pregnancy, your first pregnancy?
1: The pregnancy was good. It was uneventful. Um, and then at about the 36-week mark, I, I wanted to know what position the baby was in, so I asked for the ultrasound. And... The position, she was head down, but um, some of the cord was over the cervix in front of her face, Mm -hmm. and my OB was concerned that uh, it might get compressed during actual birth. So I went to a specialist, and he agreed that with my OB that um, I should be scheduled for a C-section.
0: You went to like a maternal fetal medicine specialist? Yes. For a more extensive scan?
1: Yes, or just to confirm my doctor's suspicion. It's called funic presentation of the mm-hmm. cord, 0.06% of pregnancies.
0: Did you also buy a lottery ticket at that point? No, <laughs> oh, I should have <laughs> on that day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it comes up so rarely very rarely and, um, he, in his
1: 40 year career he had never actually seen it on a scan before
0: your ob my ob wow mm-hmm. so it's kind of amazing that he still was looking out for it cuz sometimes you get conditioned to not seeing them and assume they're not going to be there
1: and i don't even think he was looking i think it just kind of yeah i don't i don't know how he suddenly noticed it but there were two chunks that didn't it looked like it was not going to move because there wasn't much space between her face and my cervix
0: mm. Yeah, and of course, you know, those are the kind of things that when you catch them, right, and prevent the possibility from happening of compressing that cord during childbirth, it's sort of uh, a miracle in the sense that we have a safe way to get the baby out, an alternative safe way. What kind of birth were you planning for before that happened?
1: Um, All natural. I wanted a vaginal birth with um, no medication. My husband and I had been taking um, some practice classes called the Bradley Method, Mm. where he was going to be my coach. And um, on that day of the when I went to the high-risk OB, or the MFM, he said, can you have a C-section today? That was a Friday.
0: At 36 weeks? Mm
1: Mm-hmm, 36 plus like three days. Yeah, And, and he said, we do not want you going into labor. And from my experience coming from all the pediatrics courses in occupational therapy, where you learn about cerebral palsy brain damage, um, I didn't even question it. I said, okay. Um, not about that day, but we were going to schedule for the following Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. He didn't want me to wait to take my final exams.
0: Wow. He um, so was really concerned about it.
1: They were really concerned. We don't want that cord to get compressed was the thing.
0: How? how did, I mean, first of all, let's backtrack for a second. Why, um, why did you want unmedicated natural childbirth? It's not the most common path these days
1: um my my only friend that that did it she said what you tell people when they ask you that she said because i can
0: <laughs> oh interesting
1: but i i just think I, I i'm just so also very curious curious what it's like um why not go for something like that i just was always really interested in the human body as well
0: are you naturally minded in general Kind to, of. Do you lean more holistic in in just your lifestyle? Are you more active? Or a, are you
1: a little, a little? I I'm not I'm not too. I I do. I try to eat well. I try to do. I, you know, my environmental footprint probably isn't isn't the cleanest, but right. I I like the idea of what the human body can do. Um,
0: are you outdoorsy?
1: I I'm a little outdoorsy. I haven't Adventure? been so much lately, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. Hmm. And you were still in school. I was. was The first pregnancy. I was. Yeah, it was right around finals time. Okay. And so I did not get to... I was not present for my finals.
0: I see. Yeah. You had to take them afterwards?
1: No, luckily um, my scores were uh, good enough that even if I failed the final or didn't take it, I'd still pass the course. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So one one teacher... um, Made me take, like, a little quiz over the phone
0: because
1: the the content was really important, and I did that. That was fine. Okay. Yeah.
0: So when you found out, even on the original scan, when you found out your plans might be changing, how did that make you feel?
1: I mean, we were shocked. My husband was there with me, too. Our house was under construction still. Oh, wow. Um. Nothing was ready.
0: Were you living in it during construction?
1: We were living in my parents' um, two-bedroom apartment. Okay. With our dog, our big dog. Oh,
0: your parents weren't in there. No, no, okay. no.
1: They had they had a two-bedroom apartment, so we were staying with them. So um, nothing was ready. I really wanted the natural birth, but I I didn't question when they were both so concerned. I was like, well, if that's what I need to do for my baby, um, couldn't do it that day. So it was scheduled for a few days later, that following Monday or Tuesday.
0: Which would have been 37 weeks?
1: uh, Yeah. It would have been 37 weeks.
0: Okay. Yeah. Just term, early early term.
1: Early term. What happened, though, so that was a Friday that that the C-section was presented to me. Um, That Sunday night, my water broke. Oh. So... My daughter must have. I don't know. She wow. heard something was going on. I don't know. <laughs> she got like, stirred like, up. I gotta get out I'll of here. Pick my out out Thank of you <laughs> very
0: much. Uh, was it a was it an obvious water break? Yes. <laughs> there was no question. That's no my question. Water. Mm. Yeah. Did that make you nervous knowing that they didn't want you going into labor?
1: That was exactly why I was so nervous. So were you at home or where were you? I in? was at home. We had had a get together that day. Um, the. Uh, my brother-in-law took pictures of my husband and I. It was the only belly bump pictures that I that I got because I'm not really into photos. Uh-huh. Um, and everyone left. And then a few hours later, I went to the bathroom. I went I went pee. And then it just kept coming out. Wow. <laughs> and um, I was like, wait, what is this? Is this my water break? What is this? And it just was literally um, a lot. And I... Told my husband, I, I, think, I think my water's breaking. And I was sh- trembling with fear because all I heard oh, wow. was that doctor, we don't want you going into labor. We don't want that cord to come out and get compressed. And I'm just thinking, brain damage. My baby's going to get brain damage. Mm-hmm. So, what do you it's do? Scary. We, um, I mean, <laughs> we, my husband got trash bags to put on the car seat and towels. Um, I put on some sweatpants with, with a towel. Um, we didn't even have a hospital bag packed. We just threw a few things together, called my folks to come pick up our dog, and called my OB. He got to the hospital before we did, and this, so that was 11 p.m. My water broke, and my daughter was out before 1 a.m. Oh wow! wow that's really fast. fast, super fast. You were
0: able to call right through to your OB at 11 p.m. At yeah, night? yeah. And did your OB sound nervous?
1: He said, no, okay, we'll just head no, he he kept a very steady voice. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What that didn't erase that didn't erase your fear. Your, my fear. But um yeah, he was like, Okay, well let just just head over to the hospital, I'll meet you there.
0: Well at least it doesn't magnify your fear.
1: Right. He's he was I've been with him since I was twelve years old. Oh. He's been my OB.
0: That's a long relationship with yeah. the doctor. Um So in a very quick time, you got to the hospital and the baby was out. What was the experience like?
1: I was just so nervous. And I remember saying to myself in my head, okay, just deep breathe, calm down. Like I could feel the adrenaline in my heart rate racing. And even my OB said, you've got to breathe. And I, I, you know, but, you know, they met me with a wheelchair. They, all those things that are just very stimulating and a little bit scary, Um, the epidural was a little bit scary. I had to crunch in a ball on my side and I felt like my belly was in the way. I couldn't crunch enough.
0: Do you... I mean, were you having any contractions?
1: No, I never had a contraction. Okay,
0: so you had a crunch forward, but it's not like you had a crunch forward around the No, it was just she kept saying
1: body. I need you to bring your knees up more, I need you to bring your knee and I'm like, there's no room?" There's a baby to bring here. My knees up. Yeah. Huh. Um and I remember that was scary thinking about something going into my spine like a, you know, a needle and what if it slipped? But she did she, the anesthesiologist, she did a great job and
0: Do you know if it was a spinal block or an epidural or a combination of the two or do you know the difference between them?
1: I know the difference and I cannot remember what I got. Okay. I know that um, it definitely numbed everything below the waist and it it was hard for me to breathe. So it got mm-hmm. probably around my diaphragm area mm-hmm. too because I, I remember expressing I felt anxious like I wasn't able to catch a breath. She said that's just the medicine.
0: Mm-hmm. Numbing you. Yeah. Um, what was – I mean – the experience of the actual, because some people are really terrified of just the needle going in. Mm-hmm. Um, did they numb that? What was? What did it feel like to just get the epidural?
1: Um, they did. They did numb it first. They numbed the area first. So. so a little,
0: a little pinch of like lidocaine, probably. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too bad. I, I think I had other things on my mind, but I, yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that pinch that wasn't too bad, and then I could feel it, without pain. I could feel them inserting like more of a little tube.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but so it just was, the sensation, but not the
2: pain. Yeah. Did your husband get to stay with you or he did, did he did. make everyone leave? He did. That's he helpful. Stayed. He was that's your
0: nice. brother coach. He was. <laughs> not not the exact role that he planned to take on. <laughs> no, but.
1: very different.
0: But, I mean, Kristen, you had an epidural as well. Yes. Was it what you – did you have concerns about an epidural just from these placement aspect?
2: Yeah. I think all the research that I did, I did, that's the main reason I didn't really want it just because I was so scared that – like, what if I? And because I was having such bad contractions at the time that I got my epidural, I couldn't stand still. So I was really scared that I was going to move and I wasn't going to have the strength to stay where I was supposed to. And the needle and, would hit
0: something. Yeah. And they
2: didn't hit. allow my person to stay. Oh, like, so oh really?
0: Not even one? My one's? husband
2: couldn't stay. And he was really oh. upset about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's upsetting.
2: Especially like for his job, he sees like a lot of gory things. He's like, I'm not going to faint. Like, can right. I, And I was having such bad <laughs> back labor that I like, I was like... I'm gonna, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Well, <laughs> wow. Usually
0: they let one person study. Yeah, they I didn't. feel like you should be able to demand that. I,
2: have, I do too. I think, I don't know if it was the hospital's policy. That's why I think I've asked other questions, you know, about that to mm-hmm. see if it was. But it seems like it's a hospital thing. So it was it, it that hospital. It could be.
0: I, mean, I, know that, I know what they're worried about is right. that they'll all of a sudden have two patients. If exactly. he If he sees you in pain, he might, j- like, jump in and... Or, or the other thing is everything's very sterile.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: like, what if he just touches something, you know, because he's not familiar with the sterile environment, then exactly. something becomes non-sterile. I have actually seen that happen, so yeah. um, that might so be a concern. Yeah. But <laughs> right. what did it feel like for you when the needle went in?
2: Again, they numbed it, so I didn't really feel any pain. It was just, like, a pressure. You knew something was happening, um, and I think I was much more scared of not knowing how it would feel. But the actual insertion and everything of itself i didn't feel any pain or- yeah and the
0: reason i asked both of you is because some of our patients say they want to not have an epidural just because they're afraid of the feeling the sensation of mm. that big of a needle yeah. pushing through that deep into your body um, including my wife by the way that's why we had our first baby unmedicated except for all the advil i was taking but that's a separate <laughs> issue um <clears throat> Uh, and uh, actually, most people who get it, even when they're really afraid of it, say, nah, "Actually, that was no big deal."
2: Yeah, I think the fear before is much greater than the actual feeling. What like. happens? And for me, if I fear
1: something going wrong, wrong a lot more than actual pain. Mm-hmm. And just like you were saying, what if it slipped and hit some like a nerve? And uh, yeah.
0: What What was the cesarean like? Were you how present were you?
1: I was really present. I, that's where my husband actually—he did a great job. Um, he didn't get to do the Bradley technique so much, but um, and he's not a very verbal person. He doesn't like to talk much in everyday life, but during the C-section, I said, "I want you, please tell me what you're seeing. Please tell me what they're doing because they, they had a curtain. I even requested for uh, no curtain because I'm I'm okay with the body. I, I think I would have been okay seeing
0: mm-hmm. or
1: having a clear."
0: Yeah, some of uh, that, them do a
1: thing. Yeah, great, they, no. this was not an option. Um, but so, yeah, my husband was by my head, and he was telling me, "Okay, they're they're going in now." Da, da, da. And then he told me when he could see her. And um,
0: Did, were you aware of the things that were happening step by step as they were happening?
1: Yeah, I asked my doctor that too. I'm like, "What layer are you cutting right now?" Wow, <laughs> I'm just interested, and and. I just felt like I had to know.
0: So when he's telling you what he's cutting, what do you do? You feel anything or no. you're just totally numb?
1: Totally numb. No
0: pain, no pressure. Nothing. Nothing. That's kind of amazing that we can do that. Yeah. Sometimes they actually, I've seen the clear drape now, but I've also seen where they just hold a mirror for people who want to see what's happening.
1: Oh, yeah. I would have liked that.
0: Yeah. Um, so you didn't feel it. Did you, did you feel when the baby was coming through you? No Any pressure, pulling, nothing,
1: maybe a little tugging. Um, there was a momentary scare because I had previously asked my OB, Can you make my scar really small and mm-hmm. really low? And so he was, he kept saying, Okay, your scar's really small. I think this is the smallest scar I've ever made, and wow, it's the lowest scar I've ever made. But because of that, um, maybe not just because of that, but he when he it was time to grab her out he couldn't really get a good hand on her, oh. um, and she kind of turned and the cord ended up getting slightly compressed anyway and then so he used a kiwi vacuum to actually extract her via C section. Mm, interesting. Yeah.
0: Did you feel that? No, Still I no. Just,
1: I don't have memory of feeling much. Maybe like you're saying a little tugging sensation. Yeah, that's what I would expect. But um, but n- yeah, not much else.
0: Did you hear her cry? Ugh, so did she cry right away? Here
1: comes the most challenging part of this memory is, um, you know, I I had a, a friend who had a C-section. They they did skin to skin right away. They put, she went from out of the abdomen right onto her chest. Yeah. And I had requested that and that's what I was expecting and I didn't get that. Um, I could hear my baby crying. I couldn't see her because the drape was up. Mm. So for, it felt like forever, um, it was probably more like 20 minutes, but it felt like an hour. I heard her crying, and she was in the corner there examining her. Um, my husband was watching. Um, I, it was like, Steve, tell me, like, is she okay? Tell me about her. Tell me this. And um, so he was talking to me, telling me, but um, I didn't get to see her for – it felt like a really long time.
2: How come they weren't able to do the skin-to-skin for you? I think that there was – you know, I don't even –
1: I don't even know exactly, but I think there was – because they had to use the vacuum, because there was a momentary cord compression, the way she spun when when he was trying to retrieve her, um, that they automatically just took her over. Mm -hmm. Um, And I requested twice, please lower the drape so I can see my baby. And there was a nurse standing at my head, but – no response. Please, please low I want to see my baby. Please lower the drape. And just no no um, response. It's
0: frustrating. I, That's you know, hard. I, I think the hospital where you were has a protocol about mm-hmm. that. And so when you're asking them to do is break protocol. Mm-hmm. And they really don't want to do that <laughs> because it puts themselves on the line.
2: But they could respond.
0: They could respond and they could tell you something. But but i understand and you're di- i think you're also different than most people i think a lot of people look down and see that they're open and that you know sometimes the whole uterus is out and it just they will panic and freak out and that that creates more problem
1: and I'm sure that's what created the protocol. For
0: both of you. Yeah. That's probably what created the protocol. But it's kind of a global policy, not an individual
2: yeah. approach. So were you all done then with the C-section when you got to do uh, skin-to-skin with the baby? Or were you still getting I was sewn getting – so they were sewing me
1: up while she was being examined. Okay. Um, so it wasn't till after I was all sewn up that I finally got her
0: on me. What was that moment like?
1: I mean, it was it was a great moment. It was great. Uh, uh, it was it was wonderful. She was fine. I was I was a little scared when they weren't bringing her and they weren't really, you know, what's wrong? Is there something wrong? Um, but she was okay.
0: She did had, you have a NICU team in the room from the get go, or did they bring them afterwards <sighs> because of that compression moment, or you don't know?
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't even think there was, I think it was nursing doing it. I don't even, I'm not sure. I don't oh, no. remember. There there was my OB, my husband, the anesthesiologist was in there the whole time. Um, and I think just maybe one other nurse, I think. I can't I remember. remember. I couldn't see anything. <laughs> right, you
0: couldn't see, so how would you know? Yeah. Uh, how was recovery?
1: Um. So very interesting. So the good thing about the hospital I was, was they kind of have everything that you need. Um, My daughter had a really funky shaped head, not like a cone head that comes out vaginally, but like an elongated oblong head where the occiput, the back of the head, was really long. Mm. And part of her forehead, one side was down, the other was up. And even my OB, he said, I've never seen a head like that. So there was, like, some concern, so they sent in, like, a cranial specialist to look at her while I was in recovery. A lot of people came to check out her head to make sure she was okay. Turns out she was. She grew her head once her brain was, you know, her head's totally round today. Yeah. Um, and then for my own recovery, I stayed four nights, um, and it was rough for me. Um having to have, like, a catheter in for the first, seem like a day or maybe more, having to have the IV and pull the IV around, wearing those leg compression things they mm-hmm. do now to prevent uh, deep th- vein thrombosis, so being in bed with these things on your legs, these compression things, um, and they don't want you to do much. I was, I was really wanting to get up and go for a little walk, and they're like, we don't want you walking yet, and I felt stir-crazy, mm-hmm. um, and it was painful. I I used all the pain medication like the you know they gave me Norco I needed it. I I was really um
0: around your incision is where uh, you felt the pain? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the incision and deep like whatever other layer, you know, all the other layers they cut Underneath, through. Lots yeah. of burning. So anytime I would push myself up from laying down to to come to sit, it would just burn. That's the best way I can describe it as burning. Um
0: you were in the hospital for four days?
1: Four nights. Four nights. So it could have been three, but the fourth one was, I don't know, somehow included anyway.
0: Oh. And, Buy um, three to get one free?
1: Yeah, something like <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. And so um, my OB was like, I would stay if I were you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just you get you know more lactation support. It's just another day of getting the support.
0: Sure. And more um, nursing care for you and the baby. And-
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And you can't really lift at that point.
1: It was hard. It was hard. She was so. I, I was able to hold her. She was. She was. You know, little six pound baby. It was. That was okay. It was more the me moving my own body.
0: Yeah. And how was the transition home? How long did it take until you started to feel like you again?
1: Weeks, and then I still get burning sensation even like almost eighteen months later around the scar, the incision. Area. Um, not even the external incision, but there's this part deep inside on my right side that um. Still burns from time to time.
0: Did you do any body work around those layers? I
1: did. I did um, a postnatal pelvic uh, physical therapy, where they they showed me how to massage the scar. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, now that you say that, it, it was mostly they were working on the external scar, not the tissue. But I didn't underneath get so it. much on the deeper layers. No.
0: Got it. Well, here we are a year and a half later. <laughs> And uh, you're pregnant again, very Mm -hmm. pregnant. Yes. Um, We are going to take a little break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about this pregnancy and your upcoming birth. So, stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally It has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Today's co-host is Kristen Palasi, and we're talking to Heather before her imminent birth about her options for delivery with baby number two. So, Heather, your first birth was an unexpected cesarean. Yes. You had wanted to do all natural and medicated. You and your husband did Bradley together. um, But it was determined that vaginal birth wouldn't be a safe option. And so you scheduled a C-section and your baby jumped the gun and came out a little early by cesarean. Um, Once you have a C-section, you have two choices with subsequent pregnancy. You can either plan for a repeat cesarean or you can plan for a vaginal birth after cesarean. And some people plan for labor knowing that they're going to have a cesarean anyway because they want the benefits of labor. um where Where are you in the mix?
1: V back all the way. I w- really wanted to experience th- the vaginal birth.
0: Never a th- question actual. for you.
1: Uh, well, there's a moment when my OB, you know, puts the fear statistics in there. There, there is some questioning. I did go back and forth, but my heart really wanted the V back. I wanted that experience. I wanted the benefits for the baby um, to come out vaginally. Um,
0: what, what did your OB present in terms of pros and cons of each choice?
1: He said, you know, yeah, we can, we can do a V back, and then I, and he would say, my, my job is also to educate you about the risks. And this risk of, you know, they, they use the word uterine rupture. And if that happens, I remember he said, if that happens, it's very bad. Um, you have, you know, minimal time to get baby out and mom could lose her uterus. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so uterine rupture, meaning the scar, not on your belly, but the scar that's in the uterus from the previous cesarean, which heals. Um, what if it doesn't heal as well? as normal uterine tissue and so during the the intensity of labor, if that scar separates and opens if it pops open, that becomes a potentially dangerous situation. Did yeah. he talk about the frequency?
1: He did He said that the risk is very low um, of it happening um, because I I was kind of at the minimal, um, Interval between pregnancies, they they like it to be longer. I got pregnant with this um, this pregnancy nine, My daughter was nine months, so mm-hmm. nine months after the C section. Um, they like it to be a little longer interval than that. Like a year. Like a year, eight, 18, eighteen months. months. I, I want to make sure that happy. yeah, I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly. But yeah. but yeah, longer. It's a,
0: everyone has their own comfort zone.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, did he also talk about the risks of repeat cesarean?
1: Not as much focus on risks of repeat cesarean. The one thing he mentioned was if I wanted to have more children. So if I wanted a third pregnancy, that's when he said, you know, there's a little risk with the third pregnancy. But no, not so much attention on risks of a, a second one.
0: Hmm. I always find that interesting because neither option is obviously 100% safe. Yeah. And if our job is to educate you, I feel like we should educate you about the risks and benefits of both choices. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong choice. It's whatever choice you make that it's our job to support once you have the information about those risks and benefits on both sides. Um, so is that what you plan to do? Did you make plans for a VBAC?
1: Yep. Yes, and my my OB, the same OB, he he was going to be my doctor, um, and one thing that stood out, he told me, I was just because I ask a lot of questions, I want to I want to be educated. One thing he told me, he he was recently on a panel um, for. A uterine rupture that went bad for a VBAC, um, where the doctor didn't make moves quickly enough, mm-hmm. so the baby ended up being born with cerebral palsy. Um, they they're thinking from oxygen deprivation. So mm-hmm. my OB was on a panel investigating what prohibited the doctor from acting getting that from acting enough. faster because they're supposed to be educated to do that, but sometimes things happen. So
0: over the years, I've had two patients that I know of that had the uterine rupture. Um and even the term uterine rupture is a little misnomer because there could be a, a big moment of rupture, but I think more often is what happens is the scar slowly thins out, thins out, thins out, and then becomes so thin that the baby can move through it. Um and both of them are okay. I mean, physically they're both okay. Their uteruses are okay, their babies are okay. Um, because quick action was taken. Yeah. So and and we do a lot of V So and the stated risk of that of that scar separating is about a half a percent, which is 1 in 200. So for some people, half a percent sounds low. For other people, it sounds high. When you turn it around and say 1 in 200, sometimes it sounds higher to people mm-hmm. or lower. And and that's the funny thing about risk. You know, everybody perceives it differently, and it's ultimately your call.
1: That's exactly what my OB, he talked about, um, risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in those moments, it just n- – no risk to the baby sounded good to me, but I also had this feeling that, like, I had to try it. I had to try because the chances of anything happening were so low that I think I would regret not trying it and being successful. So um, that also led me to kind of look at the midwifery route. Mm. Um, I had really wanted I, – I was interested in home birth. I was interested in – birthing center birth something outside of a hospital and um but was still seeing my ob as well in addition and um
0: so you started to do co-care yeah with your ob and a midwife
1: yes except my ob didn't know i was i was just <laughs> ready to tell him i wanted to tell him and felt so because um, he's pretty conservative yeah. I, I kind of already suspected what he would say about it
0: were you planning for home or for a birthing center
1: so at first we were thinking about home and the only reason decided not to was because my daughter being so young um, I felt like it might be traumatic for her she's seen me with the stomach flu and just she cried so hard mm. you know so I kind of thought you know we don't really have family to to take care of her outside of our home or her home is that's where she's going to be when I oh, give I birth. See. So bir- the midwife owns a birthing center. Um, no. I'm
0: just – I'm trying to put two things together because for <laughs> your first birth, you were not planning an out-of-hospital birth.
1: No. I thought those people were nuts.
0: Yeah, we are. <laughs> but yeah. uh, for your first birth, you were not planning an out-of-hospital birth. And then you were just talking about how the risk of VBAC is uterine rupture and how seconds count. Yeah. Right, And how your doctor was talking about how – Acting quickly is what makes the uterine rupture turn out okay. Yes. But then you decided to have the baby not at the hospital. (laughs) I don't understand that.
1: You know, I just don't like the hospital. I don't like protocol. It's kind of why I left teaching protocol that's meant to, you know, protect against litigation or that one case it might happen. I get nervous. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking it'd be so beautiful to have this birth in a place that, looks like a spa or like has low lighting and um i i actually found a midwife who had been a labor and delivery nurse for many years she's still a practicing rn Mm -hmm. and i just felt like i think this is going to be okay i did go back and forth where i was like those moments getting to the hospital are going to count
0: um how far is the birth center from the hospital
1: Oh, you know, L.A. traffic. It's it's not far. It's probably you know no more than three miles, but it could take it could take longer to drive. Right. Probably twenty minute drive. Or by
0: ambulance, it would be quick. Yeah. If you needed to. Hmm. Um, and that's cool. I know the midwife you're talking about, and she's very sort of clinically minded as well. Mm-hmm. So she always has her finger on the pulse. She's, I think, a little conservative as far as midwives go, and whenever there's Whenever you get to a situation that's like, "Mm, not sure what this is, she's aware of it and takes action rather than waiting to see what that might turn into. Yeah. So in terms of early intervention, I think that that was a good match.
1: And she also has a lot of VBAC births under her belt Mm -hmm. um, and has – I think one needed to be transfer, but transferred, but not because of rupture, because of the labor. She, the mom just couldn't take it anymore.
0: Yeah, which happens a lot, you know, not a lot, but it's it's transport from out of hospital birth to hospital birth usually is not because of some emergency. Yeah. It's because either labor is not progressing or mom wants uh, – she's exhausted or needs some uh, help with the pain, medicated help with the pain. So Hi. you're all set then? Oh, sorry, I cut oh, you off.
2: No, that's okay. I was just wondering how your coach then felt about all of these. Was he right there with you going my back? My husband to coach? You? Yes. <laughs> your husband coach doula. My
1: my husband coach, he does not like change. He, he, it made him nervous. But as he mulls things over, um, he also likes when I just make the decision for mm. us. So he, um, He was supportive of whatever we did. I'm sure he still felt nervous about it. Um, But we didn't end up going that route. You say
0: that in past tense because you're no longer planning to have an out-of-hospital birth. Right. Okay. What changed?
1: So um, I got through this VBAC issue, like worrying about the really low risk of the rupture happening. And I was all in for the birthing center with the midwife. Um, And then... But I was still seeing my OB as well for ultrasounds. And um, when I was like 35 and a half weeks, just shy of 36 weeks, I was curious, what position is my baby in and has my baby turned and is everything looking good? And um, the ultrasound showed that he is in the frank breech position with his bum down and legs up. And so I wasn't expecting that. Right. And... That's when I got the news from my OB that um, the only two options were to schedule a C section, like a 39 week, thirty nine weeks, a week before my due date, which is now, mm-hmm, which would be now, or wait to go into labor, like you were talking about, um, and then have the C section. While in labor. So
0: the only two options are cesarean or cesarean. Cesarean One is or cesarean. schedule it and hopefully get to it before you go into labor or let you labor for a bit and then do a cesarean. Yes. How did you feel? Was your coach with you at that point, husband coach?
1: He was. He was. Yeah.
0: What was that moment like for you? Because, again, it's a big shift at the end of the pregnancy that yeah. you weren't expecting. He
1: put his hand on my shoulder and kept squeezing my shoulder because I think he knew I was super disappointed. Oh. Um.
0: That was only three weeks ago. Yeah,
1: seems like a lot longer. I know. know. I've been through so much since then. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and that's what we're gonna get to now is what happens next. Yeah. I mean, it. it, I just. I can almost feel your letdown in that moment. That again, a big sort of bomb was dropped on your plan.
1: I mean, and I didn't think there was any other option. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do C-section. So my next option was, okay, can I get this baby to turn somehow? And I even feel bad saying that and even talking about my baby here, that somehow he's in a wrong position. I mean, it just doesn't feel good to talk like that. But most professionals, most medical people talk about like that this position is bad or wrong.
0: Well, it's not a deal mm-hmm. compared to a head-down position, mm-hmm. right? Because head-down babies are easier to get out and avoid potential complications that really only happen with breech babies. So that's the one hand. On the other hand, breech babies are like four four or five percent of all babies are breech. So that's a big enough number that it's just a variation. In the United States, that means one breech baby is born about every four minutes, so, it's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's a wrong position, but if you could choose, if any practitioner can choose, or most moms can choose, do I want the head down baby or the breech baby? We would choose the head down baby for you because it creates less space for complication.
1: Absolutely. And I agree. And I would choose that. I just, I don't want to,
2: you know. Kids, you don't want to feel like your baby's doing something yeah, wrong. Yeah.
1: Kids already, you know, they learn shame pretty quick. So, yeah, I, I kind of, um, I've I've talked I've talked to my baby to encourage that there's space in there that he has options to move. Um,
0: We talk about breach as a variation of normal.
1: Yeah, I like that better. Mm -hmm. Variation sounds good.
0: Yeah, and and then we I was breach, and so uh, was I. Oh, you were. (laughs) You were born breach.
1: I was born well via cesarean
2: section. Oh, I was
0: born vaginally breach. Oh, see, uh, we're both here. Yeah, I'm still doing weird stuff. I mean, it's fine. (laughs) I'm okay with it. (laughs) Yeah, so what did you do to try to give the baby space to move or encourage the baby to move?
1: So I went right home and Googled. My OB was like, none of this stuff works. He's like, mm-hmm. here, it's just there's there's no research supporting that any of these methods to turn the baby work. Mm-hmm. Oh, he also said um, there's something called external cephalic version. But because I had had a prior cesarean section um, he was not willing to do that. The ECV, he mm-hmm. um, didn't want to risk, ru- you know, rupturing that scar, interfering with that that scar, and having something catastrophic happen. Which he also said the chances were really low, but he wasn't r- willing to take it.
0: Okay, so the only he just gave you those two options and said nothing. You can do to turn the baby, and
1: he said something. He said, you know, you still have some time. Sometimes they turn. It's unlikely, but sometimes they will. Sometimes they turn in labor. Um, so I went home and I, I talked to people and I looked online and, wow, are there a lot of things that people do to try to turn their breech babies. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did a lot. I found you that way. Yeah. Which has benefited. My ligaments are nice and loose. Oh, great. Um, I tried Moxa with the mugwort. My husband would burn it at my toes while I was upside, uh, like, um, inverted on my, we have an inversion table out in the garage. Oh, well,
0: that's convenient. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, acupuncture, I did some acupuncture. Um, I did some, um, meditation, you know, imagining the baby moving and the spinning babies website, the different poses.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. We have a whole episode of our podcast called Breach 101. It's three parts, and there are two doctors and two midwives who are our guests, and we talk about all these things in greater detail. So if anybody's listening and wants more information about what is MOXA, what is acupuncture, what does chiropractic do, um, you can listen to that podcast. But you did a lot. I
1: did a lot, and it was not fun. I think if I could have done just one thing at a time or if I had – didn't feel like I was under the gun to get it done. I think that um, it wouldn't have been so bad, but I, I really was feeling like I'm doing all these things and spending a lot of money, too, on these attempts that, you know, I didn't know if they were really going to work or not.
0: Yeah, they're they're money-consuming. They're time-consuming. You already have a toddler at home. Yeah. It's a lot to juggle, and it's so much pressure. It's like, if I can get this baby to turn, I can go back to my plan. And if not, I have to grossly divert from the plan I had, what I wanted. Yes. Well, those things do not work. <laughs> Quote, he's, unquote.
1: He's still head up.
0: He's still head up. Mm-hmm. And frank breach means his head is up, his butt's down, and his legs are kind of up near his face.
1: Yeah. My initial initial worry was is he going to have hip dysplasia? And my my daughter ended up having torticollis, which has now been resolved. But um, that was a lot of work and stress to kind of treat and and make sure the exercises were done. And so I was like, "Oh, um, there's you know higher a uh, slightly higher chance of breech babies having this hip, hip dysplasia. dysplasia." And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not even on my mind anymore.
0: Yeah, where are you now? Because now, th- now you're only two and a half, three weeks later. Yeah. And you're 39 weeks. And as you're walking into the studio, you're having contractions.
1: <laughs> so things
0: are going down soon. Things
1: are happening soon. Yeah, I just really, my gut did not want the C-section again. Um, the recovery for me was hard. Some people don't have, they don't know, maybe they don't notice or they just, they think it was great to have the C-section. Um, I I feel like it, it, there's a chance maybe it, it's what made my breastfeeding uh, experience a little bit more challenging. Um, I wanted the vaginal birth experience. And um, I, that burning sensation, I thought, gosh, a second one, am I going to have this even more of this kind of residual – weird sensation or pain and holding my toddler, you know, picking her up. She's about 25 pounds.
0: If you have another cesarean. If I have
1: another cesarean, like, will I be able to, you know, still pick her up? Um, Because she wants to be held by mom.
0: But do you have an option besides the wait for a cesarean or schedule a cesarean?
1: So according to my OB, no. He even asked one of his partners who, funny enough, is the doctor who delivered me back in 78 – um and this doctor also looking just the fact that I would be a VBAC and it would be my first vaginal birth they just both didn't think I would be an ideal candidate they they didn't want to take
0: Cuz that doctor who delivered you still occasionally delivers breech babies vaginally. And
1: my OB does as well and the um the cases where he said he does them is in twins first one comes out head down second one's breech he,
0: Which is much more common it. because let's talk about the risk what's the risk forget about the VBAC for a moment What's the risk of delivering a breech baby vaginally?
1: Are you asking me? Sure. <laughs> oh, I don't even like saying it out loud. It's a very low, very, very small percent chance of, uh, I guess they call it head entrapment. Yeah. So, you know, bum and legs come out and then at the neck, um, um, you know, cervix doesn't open up enough to let the head out. and that your baby can die.
0: When your baby gets stuck, gets head inside stuck. you, which could be dangerous, but yeah. also... Um, and, and the doctors who do vaginal breach delivery look for several um, categories of safety, several criteria to try to minimize or prevent that from happening. For example, babies that are measuring very large, they don't do if the baby's head is stuck in extension, leaning back. They're more likely to get stuck on your pubic bone and they won't... Um, do that, and also it makes a difference if the if the doctor has training on what to do in those situations or doesn't have any experience with it. So your doctors who who they do well. So with the twins, where baby A, the first baby to come through is head down, and the second baby's breech. As long as they're close to, in weight, if the first baby comes out and there's no complications at all, head down then the door's kind of open. The second baby will either turn and come out head down or will come out breech or they can literally just reach in and pull the baby out. Mm. That's why they're comfortable with that. And there are yeah. doctors who don't do breech delivery who make an exception for aftercoming twins where the second baby is the one that's breech. But your doctors sort of do, uh, and the other doctor who delivered you does breech even if it's a singleton, sometimes, not
1: only if frequently. So they... The so the twins was the one time that they do it. The other is if the mom has had a previous vaginal birth, and mm-hmm. so I remember he said, You know, then we know what your pelvis can do.
0: You have a proven pelvis, they call a it
1: proven yeah, pelvis. Okay. So okay,
0: your pelvis my, is my is right now, my pelvis is proven. It's not my proven. <laughs> no, your it's pelvis a lot of pressure. Is, yeah, mine right? is not proven, right has to right now. prove it's, itself. Yeah, um, Cause cause but they do also do the V backs. Mm-hmm. So they do occasional breach and they do occasional VBACs, but together they felt like it's not something they're comfortable doing in your non-proven pelvic state.
1: It, exactly. Yep, yeah, that sums it up. The other thing that um, on the that ultrasound that we did, the head measurement versus the torso measurement, there's a ratio they use. And if the head is much in a higher... Um, percentage category than the tor and the torso in a lower one. It's it's he was saying that's not an ideal breech birth. Mm-hmm. Um just that that fear of like, you know, the butt and the trunk not opening the cervix enough and the head getting caught.
2: hmm
0: So what option does that leave you?
1: C section if I was going to go with um my OB. Mm-hmm. Who, who I, I love. I would not trash talk my OB, but that was my no. option. I
0: mean, it's a, fair, it's a fair assessment. They have a mm-hmm. comfort zone. Yeah. And they're letting you know you're outside of their comfort zone.
1: And he even said when we, we asked him more questions, he said it's just the, the medical legal climate. Mm-hmm. He used that, word, the me- or that phrase, the medical legal climate is not where we are comfortable doing. Well,
0: we, talk about, we talk about this uh, occasionally on the podcast where risk, there's different kinds of risk. Risk to you and your baby is medical risk and risk to your practitioner is liability. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's letting you know, I think honestly in his assessment, what he's concerned about the risks for you and your baby. Yeah. But also honestly letting you know that were he to deliver this baby, if anything, goes off, off course, then he, his liability is very high. Yes. Because this is out of the norm. Yes. Did you find another practitioner?
1: Well, I did. You helped me find a few. <laughs> there
0: there are doctors here who do more regular breach delivery, yeah. and they also do a lot of VBACs. And I didn't know. You shared your surgical report, and I didn't know how they would feel about doing a breach that's also a VBAC. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually, a few of them were open to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you picked one?
1: I picked one who he has no doubt about me, he says.
0: And what does that mean?
1: He all, when I ask him all these questions, well, my baby's head is, you know, in a higher percentage bracket than his torso and um and I'm a V-back also and to this doctor, the two don't even connect. They don't concern him at all.
0: They're two separate, two separate things. sets of risk factor that don't compound each other. It sounds right. like is what he's saying. Right. You know the risk of VMAC you know, and the benefits, and you know the risk of vaginal breech birth and the benefits compared to cesarean for each of them. Mm-hmm. You have you have both on the table, mm-hmm. but they don't compound each other.
2: Yes, and it seems like also then that's like a comfort zone, but right because we're talking about different people's comfort zones. So his, for him, in his comfort level, those things don't make him have anything to worry about, or he's not. He feels confident in that. Yeah.
0: In addition to being an obstetrician in his real life, he's also a high risk OB. He's a maternal fetal medicine specialist. So he sees the more delicate cases of pregnancy on a daily basis.
1: And that's another reason I, I wanted to stay with him. Um, I think he, I believe that he'll also be able to recognize signs of something going wrong early. So in case we do need to transition to C C-section.
0: So your plan now is to go into labor, mm-hmm. go to one of the hospitals where he delivers mm-hmm. labor there and deliver your breech baby vaginally. And it's it's got to have been a hard decision. I know it's a hard decision. I've been emailing with you and texting you and talking to you. And I think a lot of times... When people have hard decisions to make, they ask me, what would I do? Mm Because nobody can decide this for you.
1: Yeah, I think I asked you that, too.
0: And the problem is, in your case, I don't have a great answer for what I would do. I would be really in a tough spot. Yeah. I mean, if my wife was asking me, it's her call, right? If my wife was asking me, what should I do? It would be really tough. All I could do is sort of weigh through the pros and cons on both sides over and over again and for someone who wants vaginal birth as passionately as you do for you and for your baby, I, I I, can't say. There's no clear winner in my mind.
1: And that there's still, even with my decision, it's not 100% clear. There's still that, oh my gosh, what if, that I'm trying to just breathe through right now. Um, it's been a really hard decision. When I talked to my OB and he, he he said, listen, if you were a gambling person, you'd win every time doing a breech vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I just can't – I can't put you or your baby or myself at that very slight risk that you would lose. He goes, but I don't think you will. So he, it's interesting because he actually has been su- somewhat supportive of me doing what my heart is – is looking to do with the vaginal breech birth.
0: And it's not like you're going in blind. You have extensively studied the risks and the benefits of both modes of delivery for you and for your baby, both. And, um, you made a choice and I mean, it's, it's an impossible choice to make. And, and it sounds like you're still like you're in it, but your mind is still not a hundred percent settled.
1: It's I'm not, settled my goal is to be settled during the birth so that I don't tighten up I want I you know I don't want to have fear during my birth um Who's coming? Who's coming to the birth?
0: Yeah.
1: Um that was another last minute decision. Well my <laughs> my husband will definitely Your husband
0: coached doula. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. And then the midwife I was previously working with um offered her services as a doula you say doula Monatrice Monatrice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um which i thought i wasn't really interested in and then um then i thought you know, my husband you know he ha- hasn't been the best at practicing all these different breathing techniques like he if for him it's a real drag to go through these every night and so i was thinking it might be beneficial to have her there she's seen a lot of breech births she's delivered a few breech babies as well um I think I'd feel more comfortable having her and the doctor both
0: there. Your doctor's very calming. He's so I calming. I know him. He's very calming. He's amazing. And um, my other question is your doula coach husband, uh, <laughs> you know, this is an impossible decision for you. How has it been for him?
1: Really hard, too. Um he also, back and forth, he, he doesn't like veering from things he knows. So the fact that we had to change hospitals, which is a whole other thing, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't like that. Um, the fact that we're changing doctors so late in the game, he didn't like that either. Um,
0: it can be really unsettling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He you're likes with, to know. You were with
0: this doctor you said since you were 12. Yeah. Who, who you were with and who delivered your first? Yeah. So it's a big change. It's to a big. It's a big change. A doctor that you've been with since you were twelve to a doctor who you've been with for twelve days.
1: But I really did fall in love with this doctor because of his mannerisms, his adv- advocacy for women and babies. Um, I, I love my OB, but his bedside manner isn't. He's he's not an emotional person. Mm-hmm. He's he's he can he can do some eye rolling sometimes at these hippie these hippie ways of wanting a all-natural birth he can sometimes i remember he said for my first one when he asked if i wanted an epidural um this was way before any talk of c-section he um i said no i want to go natural he goes okay if you want to be in pain Ooh. <laughs> so he's you know he's a little perhaps that's sometimes. why you
0: switch to a midwife mm.
1: i
2: i think there was some of that some of that there and um Yeah. I'm curious about how it felt for you then to find this doctor that you're now going with, even though it was late in the game. How did it feel to find somebody who, like, you know, gave you that sense of, I feel like you've just heard a lot of negative things. How did it feel to find somebody who you said, like, believed in you? Like, how did that, even though you feel unsure, how does that help you feel kind of, does that make you feel safe? I mean, how does that make you feel? That's
1: what sealed the deal. What? Because I was ready to, you know... Even look for – there's another doctor who does breech births but insists on um, epidural and you have to be on your back when pushing. Um, but he has a really high success rate. He's done hundreds of breech births. He's at, um, you know, one of the best hospitals. And I I was really thinking maybe I should do that. Uh, maybe that's what I should do. But the, um, the doctor that I ended up choosing, it was his mannerism and his confidence, his – It's like having someone say that they have no doubt about you and that they're excited um, to deliver your breech baby, it was like, oh, that's who I got to go with, someone who's going to be calm in the moment. Um, If there's an emergency, I I believe he'll be able to handle it.
0: I have a, a final question, which is with everything that you've experienced in your first pregnancy, and birth, and now this pregnancy, there's always a chance that this birth will end up, no emergency, but will end up for one reason or another turning into a cesarean birth. Mm-hmm. Are you prepared for that as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I am prepared for that. I want my baby to be safe and healthy. I want to be safe and healthy. And if something needs to happen to, to make that happen, um, I wouldn't regret it. You know there might be there might be moments like oh I just wish I could have had that you know but even with my daughter I don't really sit around thinking about the fact that she was born cesarean in fact I I never think like that um so I I I am prepared for the chance that that might happen Well and grateful that it's available
0: Yeah you know? absolutely absolutely um it's whatever's going to happen. It's going to happen really soon. Yeah, um, you're already you're already past your like last time you had your baby two weeks ago or or so.
1: Yeah, she was born thirty six weeks five days, and I tomorrow I will be thirty nine weeks with this pregnancy.
0: Yeah, and it sounded like when I was on the phone with you earlier, like things might be warming up. I so. really
1: feel because I didn't get to feel all these later, you know, toward the end sensations with my my first baby. What are you feeling? Lots of pressure, lots of um, tightening. Um, they talk about the baby dropping. I feel like he's just he's sitting right there, ready.
0: It um, sounds like the orchestra warming up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Did you have any other questions, Kristen?
2: No. Thanks for any sharing other all your thoughts,
0: stories. Heather.
1: No, oh, I, I appreciate you having me, and hopefully my story can help somebody. Just know that there's other options.
0: You know, it's not been too. I do, uh, uh, I help a lot of people through breach, help a lot of people through feedbacks, and once in a while, a breach feedback. It just doesn't even come up that often, and um, but it, that's just in my practice. And our audience that listens to the podcast is much bigger, so I know that you're going to people are going to relate to you in the position that you're in now and down the road. I'm so grateful for you to for coming in and sharing what's been a, you know an emotionally difficult journey, and um, I'm also grateful that you'll come back afterwards and let us know how it went.
1: I definitely will.
0: Thank, Thank you. Look forward to it. Uh, Thanks at home for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you enjoy our program, please like us and leave a comment on iTunes or in your favorite podcast app and take a second to share us with your friends. Visit us online for access to our blog, documentaries, our series on YouTube, The Real Midwives of Los Angeles, and other pregnancy and parenting resources at informedpregnancy.com.